Well, what's up, Stonebridge Church? Are you guys excited about being here this morning? Awesome. Well, we are, and we're so thankful that you guys let us come in this morning. Uh, I'm Daniel. And I'm Bonnie. And uh, we spent an incredible day with a lot of your married couples yesterday, just walking through uh, God's mission for their marriage and the fact that God has something bigger than just checking the box, I got married, checking the box, I got a good job, check the box, we got kids, and now our kids are all, our life is all about the kids' lives and being an Uber driver for them, right? God has bigger things for your marriage and for your families. I got some amen, so we got some fellow Uber drivers in the room, <laughs> but it is so great to be here. And I know you guys probably saw um, the RV. We have gotten some Cousin Eddie jokes, and I just want you to know, I did not dump my Holden tanks in your parking lot like Cousin Eddie <laughs> Would have. We did not. We did not do that. But it is great to be here. And I know addictions are bad, but we probably formed an addiction while being here. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's something that we 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 picked up on a while back. Somebody from your church brought it to us in Georgia, and it's coffee, but not any coffee. No, we've been addicted to coffee. It's your Houston blend coffee. Yes. And any of you guys like it? You like your Houston blend here? Don't go to your HAB here because they're out. They're completely out. Now they're out because my kids are like, you spent $140 on coffee? <laughs> you can't like, get it in Georgia. <laughs> no, you can't. I mean, it's so expensive online. But it's going to be a great, great morning. A little bit about us. Um, we, uh, we have two kids, Josie and Colby. They're right over here. They're 14 and 12. And we live in the foothills of North Georgia on a 10-acre hobby farm. So on our farm, we have some donkeys, E-I-E-I-O, and we have some horses and different things like that. But the main thing we do on our farm is it's, it's a couple retreat. And so we work with couples and we do private intensives. Those are three-day, all-inclusive things, uh, kind of retreats for couples that are kind of in a bad place or on the verge, or maybe they've just walked through a season that's like, we're not at divorce's door, but we really need to debrief on this season before we can move on. And so that's what we do there on our farm. And then we also host the Marriage Adventure Podcast. So if you're married and you like podcasts, then check that out. And you can find that on Google or Spotify or anywhere. And then we're authors. We have a little book over here, and you'll hear some stories from that book today. But our family loves adventure. We love getting out. We love going hiking, and we love going camping, and thus the motorhome. We love road trips and all that that kind of stuff. And so a few years ago, we talked this, told this to the crowd yesterday, and it's in the book. We bought this old, like 20-year-old motorhome only because it was in our budget and we couldn't afford anything newer. And we gutted it and we renovated it and maybe replaced the transmission. And, uh, and then we were like, what are we gonna do? We, we need to go on this big, fun road trip. And so we went out to the Grand Canyon. We left four days before Christmas and the kids, we took our time going out, went, went route, uh, route, uh, route 66 and saw all the sights and did all the things, saw the world's big, biggest ball of yarn, things like that. And then on Christmas Eve at like midnight, we rolled into the Grand Canyon. Kids were asleep. They woke up at the Grand Canyon on Christmas morning. It was snow. It and was that really was really cool. cool. Really cool. And, uh, and so we spent two days at the Grand Canyon. And have, have any of you ever been to the Grand Canyon? Anybody? Okay. It's awesome. It's a big hole in the ground. So once you spend one day there, you've seen the hole in the ground. And the second day, you just kind of keep seeing the big hole in the ground. So it's, it's great. You need to go see it. But then we went to Sedona. 
Sedona, that's a whole different ball of wax, man. Sedona is incredible. You, you could spend a couple of weeks there easy and not see everything. It was amazing. How many of y'all have ever been to Sedona? All right. <sighs> Those of you who didn't raise your hand, put it on your bucket list, go. Yep. There's all these cool rock formations and, and hiking trails to get to it. Some of them you could see from the road. Some of them you got to spend a little time getting back to them. But that's what we did, and we spent three or four days there just enjoying it. And so one of the rock formations that we really wanted to see that was kind of on our list was called Bell Rock. And then there was Cathedral Rock. And those two rock formations are side by side. We have a picture of Bell Rock here. You can see. Yeah, there it is. And it's called Bell Rock because it looks like a what? A bell. A bell. Yes. And so we go there with the intention... Uh, of climbing up to the top of the mountain. Well, no, 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 no. He went there with the intention of climbing up Bell Rock. We had an eight and a 10-year-old in tow, and I had got, I'm a researcher, just so you know. I like to plan it all and kind of look and see what we're going to do. And, and I start looking on there. You can kind of walk around the outside of it. The trail goes up to, you know, you just kind of wind a little bit, and then it stops at a good, safe spot. I don't think we communicated well in our marriage before we went to Bell Rock. So Colby, my eight-year-old, he is our daredevil. You take him to a theme park. He rides every roller coaster at the theme park, except like a six-foot ladder helping me with stuff around the farm. He doesn't like the six-foot ladder. I but, don't think it's the ladder. But every, every roller coaster, man, he's, he's like doesn't see danger. And so we were, we were so excited about our plans we had made to hike to the top of this mountain. And so we start walking, and we're just talking, hanging out. The kids are talking, hanging out behind us. They're running up ahead of us. And we start our ascend up the side of this mountain. It was awesome, just like we had planned. And, uh, and then we get to a point on the side of the mountain where I'm, I think we were just under 4,000 feet up, and we couldn't go any further uh, without ropes, and, 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 uh, and so we kind of get to this place where we were basically, we were stuck. Stuck. Yeah, we were stuck. We were stuck. Yeah. And so this was our view from the top of the mountain. So that's, that's the point of where we were stuck. And, uh, and meaning we couldn't really go to the side, and we really couldn't go up without ropes, and down just was not happening. And I realized something in that moment that, we were stuck and we had to get out. In working with couples, with married couples, they get to that place in their relationship where they just feel stuck. You ever been there? If you've been married for more than a minute, shake your head with me. Yes, <laughs> right? right? There's no pride in this, right? We're in church. We're a body, right? We can be honest. Mm -hmm. and, and they feel stuck and they don't know how to have a breakthrough. They don't know how to get out of this situation. And maybe you're here today, and maybe it's not your marriage relationship you're worried about, or maybe you're not married, or maybe you were married. Wherever you are, we all have relationships in our life. Maybe it's with your, your family members. Maybe it's with your mom or your brother or your sister, maybe a best friend or some relationship in your life that you've gotten to that point to where you were stuck, and you needed a breakthrough. You needed a, a, a way to make this relationship work because it's a meaningful relationship that you don't want to lose. And that's where we were on the side of that mountain. And that's where couples are when we sit down and we begin to work. And you know what I've seen is far too often 
When couples get married, you ask them, why are you getting married? Well, I'm in love with this person. Okay, that's great. <laughs> that's really good. But the problem is, is when couples come and they sit in my office or when they come and sit at the farm with us, they've been sitting in that stuck place for not just weeks, not just months. They've been sitting there for years, some for 10 years, some for 20 years, and they don't know now that they can ever get down. And I've noticed something. It's not because they're not in love. I don't think love is the issue in this case. Yeah, I don't think that it, when we get married, we, we all are in love, obviously, or you're not going to get married. But it's sometimes we go into it thinking, this is going to, my love for this person is enough to get us through anything. And, you know, love is not enough to, it's enough to get you married, but it's not enough to keep you married for the long haul. And, and my mom has said many times, she said, you know, I think marriage is a series of falling in and out of love with the same person over and over you fall in love one day, and then they, they, it's like over time, it just kind of wanes, and then you, but you, God can help you fall in love again with this person. So, you know, love is not enough to keep you married, but there are some things that will lead to a lasting relationship. And this morning, we're going to be talking in the context of marriage, because that's kind of what we do. We're the, we're the marriage people, right? You know, the marriage adventure. But some of these keys we're going to give you go across any relationship in your life that you might have, whether it's, like Daniel said, it can be siblings, because, you know, those are real fun, right? If you're, if you're still in your room and you've got, I think some of the youth are not in the room today, but I know none of your kids struggle with that relationship, right? But, you know, it doesn't matter what relationship you're looking at, these keys can help. So grab your pens, your Bibles, if y'all do an app or however you take notes. We want to dig in today with some things that we want to talk about, about some keys to a lasting relationship. All right, so back to our Bell Rock story. We were so excited to get to the top of this mountain and to climb to the top. And we got to this place where we were stuck. And in that moment, as the guy, as the man, as the one that's excited about going forward, I'm like, I got my little buddy with me, Colby, man. We're, we're heading on, we're having fun. And then we get to this place, and I'm just thinking, okay, can, if we could shimmy up higher to that rock we can get over it we have no ropes we have no helmets we have no gear we're just there right and uh we have on like like hiking tennis shoes that's it and in that moment i looked over and i saw something and this was this is the first key to making relationships last and that is you got to see something in that moment, I looked over and I saw my family's face. So I want you to see this picture. This is a picture of Colby and Bonnie. And look, I'm happy, and they're faking it. <laughs> Colby looks like he's doing a silly face. I looked, I looked around at Colby after that picture, and I said, buddy, are you scared? And he goes, Dad, I'm really scared. I don't know how we're going to get down from here. And I looked at Bonnie, and she didn't look scared. She looked ticked. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man. And so then I look over at sweet little Josie, and this is, the, this is the face that really tore me up. This is the, I'm really trying to be brave and not shed a tear and not cry, but I'm really scared that we're going to die. And one of the things that leads to a breakthrough in your relationship is a key to a lasting relationship is just your first thing. You got you to gotta show empathy. 
in that moment, I had to get outside of Daniel, outside of who I was, outside of my desires for this situation, outside of my, my dreams of getting to the top of that mountain and having fun and taking the cool picture. And I had to see the needs of the people around me. So what is empathy? All right, let's look at a definition of empathy. I think we'll have it on the screens. Empathy is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing, and this is important, from their frame of reference. It's the capacity to get outside yourself and feel what they're feeling or experience the, the, the fear, the pain, the whatever the emotion is that they are, not from my frame of reference, because how often do we just, well, this is my, I didn't mean it that way. Well, I know you didn't mean it that way, but from my vantage point, I took it that way, mm -hmm. right? And empathy is being able to see things from their frame of reference. We're looking at the same cup here but it looks completely, it says different words on the side that I'm looking at it that you are. It's the same cup, same situation, but two different vantage points. Empathy is that ability to be able to do that. That's not always an easy thing as a human. I don't think that we, we come downloaded with this, this ability to just naturally see somebody else's point of view because we're all selfish, right? But I think if we can look in Scripture, we see the greatest precedent set of showing empathy, and that is in Christ. So look with me in Philippians 2, 4 through 8. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, meaning if you're in Christ, you, you can have this perspective. So in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. That's, that's really hard for us to put ourselves in someone else's position. But think about Christ. He is God, fully God, living in heaven, being surrounded by angels, not having to do anything, but be waited on because he deserves all the glory. But he, the word, became flesh. He put skin on and stepped into this lowly earth, into a lowly human body, at probably one of the worst times in human history. Didn't have a place to lay his head. Didn't have a place, certainly not air conditioned, certainly not a bathroom on, that's indoors, nothing of the modern conveniences that we have. He came to a filthy planet to step into skin so he could look eyeball to eyeball with us. So he could see my point of view, so he could understand me. In this passage, it says that he emptied himself. How hard is it to empty myself of me all the time? I am so full of myself. It is really hard to empathize with you because I'm full of me. It's not human. It's really hard. But Christ gave us this, this great example of saying, look, I'm going to lay my godhood aside to see from your point of view. And he's asking us, he's saying, you don't even have to lay that aside. You just have to lay your selfishness aside to be able to say, I wanna see things the way you see things. I wanna see the cup from your side. So that's gonna take me laying down myself 
and being willing to step into somebody else's shoes to experience their perspective and see things the way that they see things, that's showing empathy. It's not human, but it's what we're called to do if we want a lasting relationship. So that's, that's the first key to a lasting relationship is, is being able to show empathy. <clears throat> so on the side of that... Uh the side of that mountain, the higher we went, the higher we wanted to go, right? The, you, you keep saying farthest, we. Farthest, You're farthest, using that term very... <laughs> we. We were there. You know, we were there together, <laughs> yeah. right? right? Kobe and I were on the same page, <laughs> just not with the girls. But I wanted to go higher and higher. In that moment, the thing I had to do, and maybe Bonnie had to do, was we had to learn to step outside of ourselves and show some empathy. The second thing that I needed from Bonnie in that moment, because we were stuck and we needed to find a way down, is this is the second thing and probably the most difficult thing in making a relationship last or getting a breakthrough, is you gotta forgive quickly. You've gotta make the decision to forgive quickly. Now, forgiveness isn't a thing that happens quickly, but the decision to move towards forgiveness can happen quickly because forgiveness is a process over time sometimes. So what's the difference? We talked, about, we talked about empathy and forgiveness. What's the difference between, between empathy and forgiveness? There, there, empathy is getting outside of yourself, seeing it from the other side, and forgiveness is being able to let go and allow someone to forgive them, to let that go and not hold that against them. When couples come in my office, it's not because they're doing great. When couples come to the farm, it's not because they're, they're doing great. It's because they've sat in unforgiveness, like we said, for years, for months. For, it started out with days, and then it went to weeks, and then it went to months, and then it went to years. And now they're stuck. And the problem with sitting in unforgiveness is it leads to bitterness. And then it leads to some resentment. And eventually, if you let it to fester and if you let it sit, it leads ultimately to hatred. And I've seen many couples at that place. So if, uh, if any of you have land, whether you live on a farm or just have land, you know that if you have more than a couple acres, you have to have a burn pile, right? And so on our farm, we have, you have a burn pile. She just laughed. <laughs> On our farm, we have a burn pile. We kind of turn it into a fire pit slash burn pile. And what do, you, what do we do? What do you do with a burn pile? Well, you put things on, on the pile. And maybe you have a burn barrel, right? You put things in there that you just, you don't want to take to the dump. You just need to get rid of, right? You need to burn off. So maybe it's some limbs or trash or different things like that. Or maybe you're doing a big project and you throw all the stuff in there. And, and it's great at first because you just throw some few limbs in there and you burn it. It's like a little campfire. But over time, we started to see that in, we, as we added to it, it just kind of kept getting bigger and bigger. And, you know, maybe it was windy or rainy, and so we couldn't burn it off. And over the weeks and months, it kept getting bigger and bigger. And finally, when we decided to light that puppy, man, it was a bonfire burn pile. I mean, it was huge. You could see it from counties around, right? You probably saw it from here, didn't know what it was, right? Something's happening over there in Georgia. And, and, and that's the same thing with unforgiveness. It starts with just one little stick. Well, I'm just going to hold on to that. And I'm going to let that float around in my heart. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just, it's not that big a deal. Or 
I can't, I can't empathize, so I'm just going to hang on to it. And then the problem is that the next thing they do, you, you lock that away. And then every little thing they do, you begin to lock away. That's called resentment. And now they're not even doing anything but breathing, and you hate the sound of their breathing, right? That's when you know that unforgiveness has sat in there. That's when you know that it's gotten bad. I want to look at Colossians 3.13. It says this. Bearing with one another. All right, so, so Scripture knows that we're going to rest replace that word bearing with put up. Right? We're going to put up with one another. That's a good southern way to say it. Putting up with one another. And if, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving as the Lord has what? Forgiven you. And here's the command. Look at me. So you must also forgive. Wow. As how? That's a, that's a tall order. How have we been forgiven? As Christ has forgiven us, that's how we're supposed to forgive? Really? How on earth do we do that? Man, what have we been forgiven? I mean, Romans tells us that we were actually enemies of God. It wasn't just that we were just coexisting with him. We were his enemies against him. He was nowhere on our radar, not just that we weren't paying attention to him. We were against him. It says that in Ephesians that we were actually objects of wrath. We were so bad, even though you hadn't done a lot, our sinful condition was so bad it deserved the wrath of God. But in his great mercy for us, what has he done? He's forgiven. Not just one thing, not just two things, not our whole condition has been forgiven. But what stands in the way of us forgiving other people easily? There's, there's several things. It depends on the situation. But one, I think there's one thing that really stands in the way is that if I forgive you, then I give up the upper hand in the relationship. So a couple of years ago, we moved from this house we've been in in a neighborhood for what 15 years and so you know when you when you move when you live somewhere a while you collect a bunch of stuff and so we were cleaning all this stuff out trying to not take everything with us but there are all these things that you just don't want to let go of so so we pack them on a truck and we get home I'm like there's no room in the house for this stuff we kind of downsized our house and then we're like what do you do with that stuff well we have this wonderful we actually have two of these wonderful rooms up in the attic so we just take all these boxes that we are not pulling stuff out of right now and using currently, and we just stuff them in the attic. Why? Because one day I might need that piece of paper that, <laughs> that I had written something on in sixth grade, and I might need to pull that out because I might need to use it for something, right? And that's the same way we are in our relationships. It's like, you know, this thing that you did to me, I don't know that I want to quite get rid of that yet. If I can just pack it up in a box and stuff it up in the attic, one day when you say the wrong thing, I might be able to pull it out and use it against you. I might need that. So I'm gonna tuck that away for another time. Oh, and that other thing you did, I'm gonna pack that in there too. I don't, I mean, it's just one little box, and then over time it becomes box after box after box. You need a whole U-Haul for the stuff that you're waiting to use one day because you just might need it. It's called storage units. Storage units, exactly. But in our hearts, when we have those storage units, 
they become these brick walls that we build between us and our spouse or us and a friendship, us and a relationship that we are like, I'm just, I'm just gonna let that pass. I'm gonna let it go. So that's one reason we don't forgive easily. Another is that we think if I forgive them, they're gonna get away with hurting me. If I let this go, they're gonna get away with it. You know, one time our kids were really little and they were in the back seat. They don't do this anymore, right? They don't do this anymore. They were in the back seat arguing and, and, and she's doing something to him, he's doing something to her. And finally I was like, if both of you would just stop, if one of you would just decide I'm gonna just stop and I'm just gonna let it go, then it'll be over. And Josie, and she was probably about six at the time and her little wisdom, she said, yes, but if I let it go, then he won't learn his lesson. I'm like, oh, where did you hear that? Ugh. We laugh because she was a child, but mm -hmm. don't we do the same thing? Mm -hmm. We just phrase it differently as adults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And on the top of that mountain, we, we kind of use this bell rock thing as an as a illustration here because it's very light. I mean, it wasn't light in the moment. Now it is. We can look back on it and laugh. But there are situations in your heart that are much heavier than that, I know, but they're oftentimes things that we hold on to that are just as light and that could easily be forgiven. I had to look at him in that moment and forgive him because I'm like, we, we can't move forward. I, we gotta work together here to get off out of this stuck place we're in. But if I didn't let this go, we were just gonna sit there and I was gonna stew and be mad and we weren't going anywhere and the kids were gonna get involved in it. It was just gonna be bad. I did move through it. <laughs> Obviously, we're still talking about it about four years later. So, <clears throat> but, <laughs> but those silly, it might sound silly, but we do that. We hold on to things that a lot of times don't amount to anything, but we can't let them go. So we've got to learn to let go of those things because it's not our job to teach someone a lesson. It's our job to love them and allow the Lord to deal with their heart. It's not punishing him if I'm holding on to something he doesn't even know I'm holding on to. It's punishing me. And I'm called as a child of God to forgive as God has forgiven me. That's what I'm called to. If you wanna have a lasting relationship, that's one thing you're gonna have to learn to do is to forgive and let go. So how, how do you forgive? So I wanna recommend a book to you, and, and it'd be great to write this down, especially if you're dealing with this. It's called Total Forgiveness. It's by a guy named R.T. Kendall. And man, it is so good. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you, if you're in the middle of this and, and having a difficult time forgiving somebody or you've walked through something like that, reading this book's gonna be a lot like drinking motor oil. <laughs> it ain't gonna be pleasant. It's gonna taste nasty and it's gonna be hard going down. It's gonna be hard to read it. But it's needed. So how do I forgive? Forgiveness is, Ruth Graham said this. She said, marriage is made up of two wonderful forgivers. That's true, right? If you were married yesterday, you already realized that. <laughs> I think life is made up. If you want any relationships with family or friends, it's made up of two wonderful forgivers. And forgiveness is a process, but the choice to move into that process can happen, can happen now. So the first step, and, and these things we're giving you are sequential, these, these three steps, they are sequential. The first thing, I can't forgive until I can begin to see her as human, as I can begin to empathize, get outside of myself, see, try to see something from her vantage point, and truly realize that if she's offended me, we're all about six seconds away from stupid, aren't we? Right? So she said something stupid, did something stupid, guess what? I've probably done worse, and I'm probably about a minute from doing something worse. 
especially if I don't handle this situation right. So I gotta show empathy. And then I have to move towards forgiveness. And here's your third, your third thing. We have to offer grace easily. Now, again, grace and forgiveness. What's the difference in grace and forgiveness? They're similar, but how is grace different forgiveness? You can't show grace without forgiveness. Grace can't come without forgiveness because then it's fake, it's contrived, it's fleshly, and it won't last. But grace is the next step after forgiveness. See, in that moment, I needed Bonnie to offer me forgiveness, but I also needed her to offer me grace. That means I can't get us down from this mountain by ourselves. So I kind of shimmied around and I found I kind of looked to see if there's other ways down, and I came back. I said, okay, guys, I got great news, and I got bad news. The good news is, is there is a way down. The bad news is, is it's the same way we got up. <laughs> and they're like, uh. And I needed Bonnie to offer me some grace in that moment because I needed her help getting down. To get out of it, we had to work together, and that's grace because everything in her wanted to say, okay, Bubba, you got us up here. Let's see you get us down, right? But I needed her help. Grace is unmerited favor. It's giving somebody something that they don't deserve. Does that sound familiar? It's unmerited. It's not earned. Ephesians 2, 6 through 8 says this. It says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why? In order that the coming ages, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. That's why he did it. Expressed in his kindness to us who didn't deserve any of this in Christ Jesus. For it is by what? Grace that you have been saved through faith. And it's not of us, it's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And not only did he die for us when we didn't deserve it, he took it a step further. We see in 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has, what? Lavished on us. Poured out abundantly, more than you can imagine, his love has been poured out on us so that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. It's amazing to me. It's like we didn't deserve any of this. It's kind of like somebody comes to my house to, to break in and, and steal all my stuff, but I don't like call the cops and have them locked up. I invite them to the table and then I say, oh, here's the key to my house. Take anything you want. That's insanity, right? Or so you think. In God's economy, it's called grace. It's called, we didn't get what we deserved, but he offers us abundance. I love this quote by Dr. Tim Kimmel. He talks about grace. He says, the contradiction for the Christian is to be a willing recipient of the grace that God offers us, but reluctant to extend the same gift to our spouse. How ironic that the missing ingredient in our marriage when we act that way is the primary ingredient in God's heart when he deals with us. God offers us this grace 
but I'm not going to show it to somebody else. How dare I trample the grace of God that way? He's laid down his life for me. He's called me into his family, but I'm holding something against him that he did to me 15 years ago. And I'm not moving forward because I don't want to show empathy. I don't want to forgive and heavens, I don't want to give him grace. The problem is one day I'm going to be in the same situation and I'm going to look at him and I'm going to be begging for that grace. I'm going to need it. I'm going to need it. So my parents uh, just celebrated 63 years of marriage. They met in August and they married in January. So four months. Kids, I highly recommend it. No, I'm just kidding. And they've been, they have four boys and their dad's 88 and uh, mom's 81. And when you're married, to stay married for 63 years, you forgive a lot. You have to show empathy a lot. You have to show grace a lot. Dad was military, so they moved many times, many houses, many towns. They raised their boys. We're all four years apart, so they raised kids over three decades. And now I look at them, and it's, it's the sweetest thing. There's such love there. But you don't stay married over 63 years and not walk through hard. Mom had three miscarriages, one at 20-something weeks. Mom had aneurysm, brain aneurysm, brain surgery. We thought she was gone. And they walked through hard, buried their families, their parents, took care of one of their mamas with Alzheimer's for 10 years. I'm talking about walking through hard. They've walked through hard. So dad, a few years ago, began to lose his eyesight and... Uh, and they found this doctor, uh, it's a genetic thing that he has, and we're just thankful it didn't hit him until he was in his 80s, but they found this doctor up in Tennessee that felt like they could have some, some hope there, and so they were so hopeful, and so I, I went down, got him, and drove him up, and we got a hotel, and we were staying in the hotel the night before, and there's two queen beds, and so I'm in one bed, and they're in the other bed, and, and this might be a little too much information, but my parents, after their 63 years, they still spoon. And that's sweet, right? They still spoon in the bed. So sweet. And they still call each other darling and honey. When they sit on the couch together, they hold hands together. And I'm listening in the bed about, they sound like a couple of teenage kids, about the hope he's going to get tomorrow to get some eyesight back. Maybe we can go on that trip we want to go on. You can start to drive again. And all the while, I'm not as hopeful. And so the next day, we go and we sit in this little doctor's office and dad's in the chair. At that time, he's about 85. And he's sitting in that little chair and the doctor's doing his tests and I'm sitting back with mom next to her. And you just kind of see as the doctors are doing the test, he's not getting the results he's wanting. So he grabs another instrument and he begins to do another little test and he's not getting the results he wanted and so mom's feeling it I'm feeling it the hope is draining out and I reach over and I grab her hand and I look over and there's a tear 
coming down your eyes. It's the hope lost, right? The second chance of being able to have one last marriage adventure is lost. And I thought in that moment, that's why you get married when you're 21, 22, 23. So that you can live a life of love and grace and going through the hard times and going through the good times so that when you get in your 80s, you can lovingly take care of each other. It's a heartbreaking, wonderful thing. Tragically beautiful. But you don't get there easy. You get there by showing some empathy and realizing they have bad days just like I have bad days. And then you get there by forgiving them because I'm gonna need that forgiveness and God commands me to. And guess what? This person's too important to let this stupid thing come in between us and then offering them some grace. But I'm gonna tell you something. It's not only not easy, it's almost impossible without Jesus. Because it's not a human thing to do. It's a spiritual process. And only the Spirit can do it. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Some of you this morning, you're walking through relationship issues. And maybe it's with your spouse, or maybe it's with a loved one, or a child, a son or daughter, someone in your life. And man, today hits you like a ton of bricks. I want to pray for you. But then also, there's someone here who you're in the same place, but you're doing it and you're thinking, Daniel, I have never experienced that love that you talked about and that forgiveness from the Lord that you talked about. Today, we want to offer you the opportunity to invite Jesus to come into your heart and to, for you to step in that grace and forgiveness. So if you're here and you need prayer through a relationship and, and you know Christ, at the end of the service, after this song, we're gonna have a prayer team along the back wall. I wanna encourage you to go to them and, and pray. And if you're sitting here right now and you've never invited, you're this other person, you've never invited Christ to come into your heart, we just, in your heart, if that's, if you feel something you've never felt tugging you to that. I just want you to repeat in your heart these words that I say. The magic's not in the words. The magic was done on the cross 2,000 years ago. But just say this. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Right. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. But the best way I know how I want to invite you to come into my heart and to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I want your forgiveness and I want your life in me. This morning, if you pray that prayer, then I 
want to ask on your way out, will you stop by one of those prayer team members and just let them know, please do not leave this building without letting them know of the decision you just made. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, help us to step into empathy and forgiveness and grace in our relationships. Empower us to do it. In Christ's name, amen.